go to the word of the Lord. We'll go to Luke chapter 17. We're going to read verses 11 through 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 17. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned with a loud voice, glorifying God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness, your love and tender mercies. We give you the praise, my God. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. Who's, uh, who has his Bible open to Luke chapter 17? Oh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 11. Uh, yeah, ch chapter 17, verse 17. You have it? Read verse 18. Well, there, there was nobody to found to give glory to God except this one person? What did he say? Was there not only one person that gave glory to God? Huh. What, what version are you reading for? From rather? King James? New King James? You have an NIV? Read it from the NIV. See if it says something different. Yeah. Jesus asked... Were not all ten cleansed? Were, where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to them, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So it says there, yeah, thank you, that's a good point. Uh, it says there that give praise, and the other version says to give glory to God. And then it also says, Go, your faith has made you what? Well. Made you well. In the King James, it says, your faith has saved you. Interesting points. So here we have Jesus passing by. He was getting closer and closer to the cross. Put it on, on mute, but, but keep it on. Oh, just in case I need that again. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yet we have a situation where he is focused. He's on his way to the cross. But yet he had to stop because he had some people calling out to him. A particular gentleman named John Beeler, he's a pastor of the Bethel Presbyterian uh, Church, he said this one time, or rather he, he wrote this. He said, the biggest thanksgiving killer, or that which messes up the spirit of thanksgiving, that which is taught in thanksgiving, the principles of thanksgiving, the biggest thanksgiving killer is the day after when Christmas shopping begins in earnest, and we stop thinking about what we have, and then we start thinking about what we want. Many of us, we like to pursue the Christmas catalog, looking for all the neat stuff that we want. 
we ought to spend more time looking at the neat stuff we already have. In Psalms 103, we find God's catalog of blessings. Not a Christmas catalog, but a Thanksgiving catalog. Five blessings we can praise God for. Number one, He forgives our sins. Number two, He heals us from our diseases. Number three, He redeems our life. Number four, He crowns us with love and compassion. And number five, He satisfies our desires with good things. Most blessings are taken for granted. So if you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you will be more blessed than six million people who will not survive this week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you're ahead of 500 million people in the world. If you can attend a church meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or even death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothing on your back, a roof overhead, a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of people in the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, and spare change in a dish someplace, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. That blows me away because many times I, I look at the change and say, I need more than that. We don't realize we're already the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you had put a price tag on your other blessings, for example, if you had bought a new Ford Escort, it would cost you about thirteen dollars to $18,000. But yet if you took the same car to the junkyard and you sold it off one piece at a time, at junkyard prices, it would be worth over $100,000. So tomorrow I'm going to sell my car, piece by piece. I read about, and then he says this, I read about the human body. With market prices on just the minerals and compounds in our body, it's worth 47 cents. All the minerals in our body, 47 cents. But if we took the same body and sold off all the parts, how much would you be worth? Well, a coronary artery bypass is worth fifteen dollars to $20,000. A heart transplant is worth an average of $210,000. Gastrointestinal surgery, $15,000. Fertility treatment, $40,000. Kidney transplant, $42,000. Liver transplant, $115,000. Bone marrow transplant, $106,000. Lung transplant, $105,000. Why was he saying this? Our problem is that we're looking at the Christmas catalog, at the Thanksgiving, uh, right, the after Thanksgiving season on what we want rather than focusing on what we have. Here's a great paradox. We're satisfied, but we're never satisfied. And then he said, I love M&Ms. I'm always satisfied when I eat some, but I always want more because that's, it's the experience that makes me want to taste it again and again. But yet, if we pursue God's blessings, we're filled and the filling is so sweet and so rich that we want to come for more. So thank God for Thanksgiving. But let's focus on what we already have. Because if we focus on what we already have, we'll realize that we are a lot more blessed than what we realize or that we understand. Praise God. Amen? So I appreciate Mr. John Beener's uh, uh, points. And um, now, going to this situation, we have 10, ten guys that they're, we know they're lepers. Uh, the scripture shares that. Now, what most don't realize, in, especially in those days, the leprous community consisted of many different nationalities, different peoples, even though in those days they were very segregated by, by virtue of their 
religion, by, uh, if, if they were Samaritan, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. But yet if a Jew was a leper and a Samaritan was a leper, they were in the same colony. So uh, a lot of different type of people were in this community. And uh, one thing you knew about it is that they were separated from society. Nobody dealt with them. Nobody went to visit them. They had to be ostracized, ostracized from their family. They were very sick. Uh, and they would literally fall apart piece by piece. It was just a terrible illness. And one of the things that, uh, that we know about this illness, it even takes away your voice. Because little by little, you can't uh, cry out loud. You, you, you become very hoarse. You, know, you, uh, you, you can't talk much. So it's interesting because when Jesus passes by, one of the first things they do is with the best that they can is to cry out, to just, Jesus, please have mercy on us. And they even call them master of masters. So they recognized something about him. They had heard about Jesus, that he was a healer. So they said, you know, please heal us, master of masters. Part of the problem, as you look at the whole story, is that out of the ten, nine of them just wanted physical healing. They were not interested in being connected with him. They just wanted what he had. He had that ability to heal people. So they called him Master of Masters because they knew he had an anointing and authority over uh, uh, sicknesses. So they wanted healing. One guy, later on we realize, he had more of a... What's the word? He wanted more than just physical healing. Okay, let me put it that way. And what I love about Jesus is that the minute they cry out to him, he turns to them, and it would seem to infer that he went to approach them. He got close enough to hear them, and it wasn't much of a conversation. He just goes up to them after they beseech him. They ask for his mercies, and and he just says to them, Go now to the priest so that you may be healed. Go present yourself to the priest. Now in the Levitical law, before anybody was declared healed, if any leper, if they had a mark on them, they had to go to the priest before he would declare them healed and then let them go back into society. So it was the right thing to do. But the point is, they all went and they all obeyed his command. And as they go toward the priest, instantly, bam, they all get healed. The minute they realize this, is, oh my God, I've been healed. So the first thing we see is the lepers get a groundbreaking opportunity. First thing. And I I would venture to say that today we also have a groundbreaking opportunity. We have a groundbreaking opportunity because that same Jesus that passed that way and regarded their prayer and listened to their prayer and stopped the moment to minister to them personally is the same Jesus that's here today with us. He hasn't changed. He still loves humanity. And the thing is, their sickness was a really, really, wow. It was a a horrible, horrific type of illness. It was very visible. Many times people have illnesses, but you can't see them. So they function in society. They could be your co-workers. They could be living in your family, uh, in the same city with you. And you'd never know they're sick. But yet they have an illness that's tearing them apart on the inside. But this illness was very visible. It took you out of community. You had to be separate, separated from community. So it was very disastrous. They couldn't work for, for their families. Some of them were husbands. Some of them were sons. And in those days, husbands and sons, men were needed because they were the, you know, the breadwinners. So they were there. They could not provide for their families. Some of them had, had children. They couldn't see their children. And here we have this historic opportunity. Jesus shows up. 
So the second thing is that the Lord grants him a historic and unique opportunity. And that is, he releases his love to them. What did they want? They wanted physical healing. He said, okay, I'll grant that to you. Go, present yourself before the priest. So as they're walking, bam, they get the healing, the physical healing. Now, the reason why I said that before, that they were only interested in physical healing, is the minute they got the healing, they went their way. Nine of the guys, nine out of ten, did not come back to thank the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but if I have an overarching illness, a huge illness, and suddenly somebody can heal me of it, I think that's the least I can do to go back to that person and thank them. Anybody here? Do you yes, agree with me? Yes, yes. Or these guys, oh, no biggie, we don't have to, you know. He told us to go, we went. Never came back. <laughs> so the third thing is the blessing between the nine and the blessing of the one is different. Yes. And it's a difference of eternity. Because even though they, he, he, he came back, he glorified God, they never came back. They got what they were looking for. All they wanted was something from God. Yes. They didn't want God. They just wanted something from God. Yes. And that's how many people are today. We, we want something from God. When we get in trouble, we want something from God. We want either wisdom or finance or help in a relationship, whatever it may be. But do we want God or do we just want something from God? This last one says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice, he glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So in other words, the Samaritans in that time, they did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. But he did. It's interesting. The ones from the house didn't recognize him, but yet the one that was not supposed to be from the house did recognize him. So I love God's heart and the fact that He loves, him, he loves us all. Amen. Some people think they have something special with God. No, you, you have something special because he's just, he's just a loving God. But if your neighbor seeks God also, they get that same blessing. Amen. And I love this because you could be in a room full of people that don't care about God, but yet God will see you. He'll see your heart. He'll not only address your need, but there's something deeper He wants to take you to. There was this one gentleman, a gentleman by the name of Melvin Newland. He, he said this. Alex Haley, the author of Roots, had an unusual picture hanging on his office wall. It was a picture of a turtle on top of a fence post. Now, how many of you know that's very unusual? Yes. How many of you know turtles cannot be on the top of a fence post unless they're helped? Okay? So he had a picture of a turtle on top of a fence post. And then the guy came in and he asked him, says, why is that there? Alex Haley answered, every time I write something significant, every time I read my words, and I think that they're wonderful, and I begin to feel proud of myself, I look at the turtle on top of the fence post, and I remember that he didn't get there on his own. He had help. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We all need help. Amen. It's impossible to get there without help. Amen. Now, where is there? We have different there's. These uh, lepers have been cut from society. They were dying day by day by day. Their spirits were already dead. They cried out to the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus responds to them. What did they ask for? Well, if we're talking about the nine, they just wanted physical healing. They just wanted something from God. The tenth one, 
He went, he bowed down, and he worshipped. He bowed down and he gave praise, your version says, right? So in giving praise, he honored God and he worshipped God. And he gave him glory, because he gave glory to God in coming back and being thankful, right? And then what did Jesus say? Uh, weren't there ten? Why is it that only one shows up, comes back short to give glory to God? So God's blessings all over the world. God's blessings are in the ground. God's blessings are in industry. We, we need to stop a moment and to realize how blessed we really are. Well, my point is, and this is a short point, and I'm almost finished with it. Are we realizing it? Are we recognizing it? Or are we so caught up with society, so caught up with culture, so caught up with this vanity, this... this, this um, I don't know what it is. It's a dream. It's a, it's a pipe dream. When we see TV and we, we see people acting a certain way, we see them with pitch per perfect bodies. We see them with all the good things. And we, after a while, we start desiring these things. After a while, we get into this, uh, this, this mindset that we have to have that. We have to have that. The other day, um, maybe two or three days ago, I actually saw that the, the Xbox, the new Xbox, I think, just came out. There were people. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's fun. I don't play them anymore. I guess I got into the age where I, I don't deal with that anymore. But when I was young, I used to like Atari. Remember that for you older guys? Only the older folk understand that. So I like that stuff. But I'm not going to wait two days online. It just isn't that important to me. All the amens stopped as soon as I said that. <laughs> I think I got a video of one or two of you standing on that line too. No, no, think about it. We're so caught up with things that we're willing to literally spend all night long freezing for it. Yeah, but they, they were freezing. I was just, I think the night before, yes, I'm looking at the news. Yeah, it was brutal last night, but we're almost there. I'm saying, he, he's actually acting like it was something big, important, amazing. I'll do that you know, for the birth of my child or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I'll do that in case I have to provide for one of my family. If I have to wait for something, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes. But for an Xbox. <laughs> you, you understand my point? We put too much importance in things. In the case of Xbox, out of that box. Outside of that box. Apart from that box. All that world that you play with. All those people that you kill. All the armors, the special powers, the flying abilities, the zoom, boom, bam, boom, boom, all that stuff. It really doesn't exist. It's fantasy. And guess what? They gear it that way so you could get so caught up in that little box that you never really live. Life passes you by. You're getting older and older. I could have spent that time instead of getting to the thousands level. I could have got an associate's degree. And I could really take that to the supervisor and say, here I got an associate's degree. You, you go to the supervisor and you tell him, I, I, I'm like at the 40th level. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been in there. I just know that there's a lot of levels. They never end. They just keep on coming at you. They just throw more demons at you or stuff. Think about it. 
Imagine me sitting down, you know, I'm getting interviewed for a very important position. It's going to help me feed my family. And then I go, that's right, man. I killed Zelda like 5,000 times. <laughs> and Mario Brothers, I mastered that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I haven't been in it in a long time. Please help me here. <laughs> the last one I actually finished. Was the one that saved the queen? Remember the, that guy that saves the, the queen in the castle? Yeah. It's not Mario's Brothers. No, no. No, no, it's not Zelda either. It was actually a game where this guy, he's, um, I don't know, a knight. And he goes from... Oh, Dragon Warrior. Dra Dragon Lair. Yeah, there. That's the last one I did. Okay, so it just goes to show you how, you know... Well, of course you don't. I'm like double your age. It's got, you know. That's what, that, was, that was one of the greatest games at that time. Lines of guys. That was Nintendo. When you blow it. I, I don't know what it was. Nintendo. I don't remember what it was. Cartridge. I was old. Yeah. But, but what I'm trying to say is all that time I invested in that, I realized it really wasn't that important. I couldn't put it on my resume. Well, it's a skill. It's just... It wasn't a skill. It's not a life skill. That's what it is. It's a not needed skill. It's a worthless skill. That's another thing altogether. If, you, if, if that's a business that's generating you finances for your family, well and good. Now you're, being, now, now you're smart. But if you're the one doing all the pain, and you're in your living room, or you're in one of these places paying all day long, and you're not providing for your family, and you're not leaving a legacy, if you're not doing something that's helping your community, your family, you're wasting your time at the end of the day. Now, I'm not against having fun. I say discipline yourself, spend half hour, 45 minutes, and have your fun. After you pray <laughs> and get wisdom of God, after you work, and make sure you pay your rent, your gas, electricity, telephone, and all that other good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Everything is proper place. These guys were just after the stuff. But the last guy, the tenth one who came back, he was worshiping God because Jesus meant all to him. Jesus was the first one in his heart. And guess what? When he bows down before him, Jesus goes, where's the other guys? <laughs> so wasn't there anybody else that was here to give glory to God? See, what they didn't realize is that Jesus did everything that the Father did. So what he saw the Father do, that he did on earth. He was God-man. He was God in the flesh. So he had to make stuff happen here on earth. So whatever he saw in heaven, the heartbeat from heaven, the love and compassion from heaven, he expressed it on earth. So you're saying, how come you didn't give glory to God? See, I'm just doing what the Father wants. I'm just revealing to you how much he loves you. How come nobody came back to give him some thanks? How come if I'm representing him so purely, how come you can't just stop a moment to say, thank you? Amen. That's what they did not do. So watch, they got their blessing, but then he said, your faith has made you whole. He said, your faith has saved you. Amen. See, from that moment on, the miracle of the new birth happened for him, the miracle of relationship with God happened with him. Yes. didn't happen with the others. That's, right. that's what happens. Many of us, we get the blessing, and then we run away. Well, I got the blessing. That's what I wanted. Jesus. Problem is, the blessing will only take you so far. Exactly. There's a difference between the blessing and the blessor. God doesn't want you to just be blessed. He wants you to become the blessing. Amen. On earth, Amen. He's, he's seeking people to partner Amen. with. Amen. 
He's seeking people to allow his blessing to flow through. Yes, and that's what yes. most don't realize. When I heard Nate's testimony, I'm sure many of you could come up and say your own testimony of how good God's been to you. I just love his words because I understand his gratitude. He's not just seeking the blessing. He's now seeking the blessor. And, in, and because of that, now he's being an, ex, an extension of the blessing here on earth. And in the coming days, as he continues to partner with God, him and his family will be a blessing to many people. Amen. He has no idea how far he's going to go in this. There is no limits because God doesn't have limits. Amen. Praise God. Amen. See, so I am grateful to God for him. I'm grateful for what he did in my life because yes. I knew I was a statistic. I knew I was going nowhere. I knew I was just going to die early and, you know, probably be murdered in the late 60s, early 70s. I just knew it until I heard the word of the Lord. Until I was in a, came in a similar service like this and heard what God really wanted to do in me and then through me. And when that happened, I caught it. I said, oh my God. I did just like Nate. I just bit into that. I just bit into these fathers and mothers. And I just started to learn from them, glean from them. And it just shifted my I can't mentality so now, there are no limits. I'm the first one in my family that ever went to high school. I'm the first one in my family that ever went to college. I didn't have a mentor modeling that in my family. And many of us use that as excuse. I'm not saying here, but in, in general, there are many people that make excuses. I can't do it. Nobody in my family ever, ever taught me. Well, you know, there are more than your family that can teach you. Amen. My dad wasn't around. He was doing his own thing. He didn't realize the impact he was having on me and it was not positive but when I came to the ministry and I just started sitting and listening to these spiritual dads and spiritual moms they started pointing me the right way you see my point and and they allowed me to learn about God's love I was the first one to get a bachelor's I was the first one to get a master's I was the first one to get a doctorate in my family also before my dad passed on I put the manuscript right in his chest I said dad I just want to let you know you have an author in your family I did that for him. I wanted him to know that, you know, his family's all right. So because of God, look how God, look how good God's been with us, all of us. And I wanted him that if these were his last days, I wanted him to go, you know, to heaven because we led him in the sinner's prayer, you know, and he connected with God at the end, but he connected with God. And this is a sad thing about it. Remember Jesus on the cross? There were two guys, one on either side. One guy says, now see what you can do. Can you get yourself down from here? The other guy says, have mercy on me, Jesus. Don't forget about me when you come into your kingdom. Yes, yes. And right there, Jesus says, don't worry, you'll be with me today. Amen. 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 He saved them right there. Amen. That's the love of God. Yes. He never did anything good in life. Hallelujah. He was there on the cross because he deserved to be there. Yes. And yet Jesus is right there saving him. Hallelujah. But here was the sad thing. What was his legacy? Other than that cross moment, we could talk about him. So yeah, the guy, you know, he really made amends right there with Almighty God. But what about his life? How many people did he mentor? How many people did he help? Uh, what about his family? You, you understand? He, he couldn't do that. So my father, he's there. He's in his last days. And, and I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the roof over, over my head that he gave me. I appreciate all of that. Yes, yes. But I'm saying that now because of God's grace, because of his goodness, because of his word, because he takes us higher and higher. Look what your sons are able to accomplish Hallelujah. in him, in Christ. Hallelujah. So I threw, I, I, I threw the manuscript right in the ship. I didn't throw it, of course. I'm just late. I said, Sir, yes. I said, you have an author in your family. Hallelujah. Lord, as and I, we, we worked hard on that book. Hard on that book. And, and today there's a book out there. It says, author Victor Nazario. 
And somewhere in there, Lord, there's I. You did the picture, you did from, you did all that other stuff. Be eternally grateful for that. But the, 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 the bottom line is, is I had no mentor in my family, but God, he became my mentor. He became my model. And then I had earthly examples here, right in the ministry. As imperfect as we are, they're here. Amen. And when I look at what we're doing together, why? Because he's first. Sky's the limit. I look for the day. I mean, I already see it, but I look for the day where it manifests, where we're helping others in community, where the local government actually gives us an office, where we could put a charter school. I look for the day where it manifests because it's already in us, because it's God's heart to bless the city. And he's already looking. He says, who can I partner with? That will pass by the lepers and stop long enough to give them a word of healing. Who can I partner with? Because I got nine that are not even, they're taking the blessing and they're running. But where's the one? He's not looking for a multitude because the multitude usually, they don't think right. That's how come when a majority is saying it, I don't automatically agree with them. Because many times the majority is wrong. I look for that one person that has a heart for God. Actually, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, whatever you've learned from me, I want you to train faithful men who would also be able to do the same. He didn't say he trained talented men. Because many talented men and women, they think they're all that. And they think they're big and bad. Not realizing that's only for a season. Yes, yes. Right? He says, get me the faithful ones. See, that's who I'd rather partner with in this day. So, there was a word that came out this week. And, and the word is, God is repositioning us for dominion. He's, posi- he's repositioning us for dominion. Remember, God made man in control here on earth. Yes. So there's a dominion factor that, that walks with us. And most of us miss it because we're so caught up with the circumstances, the situations. We think that, I can't do I can't, I can't. No, no, you can. You could do a lot more than what you realize. You're positioned for dominion. And now God is repositioning you because you've gotten off of sync. But God wants you to excel in this day. And there's a word... Now, coming into the season and into the year 2014, God is repositioning you for success. He's repositioning you for dominion. It's not so you could be big and bad. No, so you could be a source for others. Yes, yes. I remember when I first got into the industry I work with, one of the first things I was able to do is help others get into you know, that also, that aspect. Amen. And they went into school. They saw my example. They went to school. They they. they busted their blessed assurance, man. And they went to school also because they saw an example in yes, me. Yes. I'm just trying to be careful with my words. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyway, but the point is, is today they are also successful, but they needed a model to yes, do it. Yes. So I know that for the, in the year 2014, God's going to start elevating some of us. Say, say to your neighbor, God's going to start elevating you. God's going to start elevating some of you. Amen. So he's, he's repositioning us for dominion. He's repositioning us to be able to hear God so that we could think like God thinks. You hear what I'm saying? He's repositioning us so we could hear the way He hears, so we could start speaking the way He speaks. Amen. You need to start arresting your thoughts because a lot of them are bad thoughts. It's just terrible thoughts. Thoughts about you. You're complaining about yourself all the time. I'm not good enough. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. Stop that. Stop, 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 stop. Because those, those, those thoughts assassinate your future. They assassinate your forward momentum. They paralyze you to a place where God did not intend you to be. And he's saying, I'm repositioning you. 
He's exposing also and revealing our motives. He's getting us to a place where we're doing something and we're getting nothing for it. We're helping somebody and they're not even appreciating us. And he's allowing that because he wants to see where your motives are. Yeah. See, the world will say this. The world will say, what have you done for me lately? The world will say, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. The world will say, I'll do it when I see you do it. True. So true. But the man of God and the woman of God will say, let me be a blessing. regardless of whether they understand it or not, regardless of whether they appreciate it or not, I know that when I sow the seed, it's going to bring life. Maybe that person might um, realize it 10 years from now, 20 years from now, but I know what I'm sowing. You understand? I'm sowing into a future. Then he he said this, he wants to make sure that we mature in the process. So some of you have been going through growth pains this year. (laughs) yeah yeah growth pains and you think it's something bad that has happened it's not bad it's just a process process uh, is rocky you know anybody ever climbed a mountain yes mountains are rocky they're jagged you could cut yourself you might fall and scrape yourself you might fall and hurt yourself but yet when you get to the apex ah you breathe that air you see that scenery and you live the moment right and that's God, God has had you in that process. The rocky mountains, the difficult times, you're getting tired on your arms, you, you don't think you can make it, until finally you're there. So say to your neighbor, process. process. Praise God. We also learn to be, th- we need to learn to be thankful for the process. That's right. You know why? When you go through the process, you get stronger. Yes, right. yes. There was this one guy that he went to his master. He said, I want you to teach me uh, how to be strong. And I want you to teach me how to uh, be the best. He said, okay, no problem. So he had him go the next morning. A big, huge rock in the backyard. He said, okay, push it. So the guy, all day long. Good. Take a break. Next day, push it. He had him do that for a couple of months. After a while, he complained. He says, master, please. I mean, all I get is, is that all day long pushing that rock. You know I can't push the rock. I mean, it's just a problem. It's just irritating. I, I, I'm broken down. I have no strength. I, he says, come here a second. Take a, look at, take a look at the mirror. Meanwhile, this guy, throughout all these months of pushing that rock, he had developed rippled abs and rippled arms, and his legs were solid. He just looked perfect. He never realized that it was the process that would get you there. And the process is painful many times. Yes. And when he saw it, he said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> then he realized what the master was putting him through all along. He wasn't trying to hurt him. He was trying to get him from point A to point B. Yes. And process is necessary for you to get to your better future. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So in closing, okay, good. Nobody said amen. That means that they're, they're enjoying it. If they say amen, that I make, like the guy says, short, short message. We praise God for short messages. So the power, the power, the power of giving thanks. A gentleman by the name of Jeff Jacoby from Boston Globe said this. Something to reflect on as you sit down to your Thanksgiving dinner this week. If you had, if you had been a pilgrim, would you, have been, uh, you, would you have given thanks? We know the pilgrims did. They were very thankful. They got together with the American Indians, um, the Native Indians, and sat down and they shared the bounty. I mean, we all hear this beautiful story, right? 
Watch this. Consider what they had to go through. The men and women who broke bread together on that first Thanksgiving in 1621. They had uprooted themselves and sailed for America, an endeavor so hazardous that published guides advised travelers to the new world, quote, first, make your will. Make your will before you go over, because most likely you will not make it. Make your will to leave your stuff for your families, because most, most likely you're going to die. All right. The crossing was very rough, and the Mayflower was blown off course. Instead of reaching Virginia, great place, nice and warm, where Englishmen had settled 13 years earlier, the pilgrims ended up in the wilds of Massachusetts. Now, if you know Massachusetts, it's cold up in here. <laughs> Massachusetts gets colder than New York. By the time they found a place to make their new home, Plymouth they called it, winter had already set in. The storms were frightful. Shelter was rudimentary. The, there was little food. Within weeks, nearly all of the settlers were sick. Quote, that which was most sad and lamentable, Governor William Bradford later recalled, was that in two or three months' time, half of the company died, especially in January and February, being the depth of the winter, and wanting houses and other comforts, being infected with the scurvy and other diseases, there died sometimes two to three a day. When spring came, Indians showed up and taught them how to plant corn, but the first crops were dismal, supplies ran out, and the sponsors in London refused to send more. The first time that, that pilgrims sent a shipment of goods to England, it was stolen by pirates. If you had been there in 1621, if you had seen half of your friends die, if you had suffered through famine, malnutrition, sickness, if you had endured a year of heartbreak and tragedy, would you have felt grateful? So these people were grateful. They thanked God. So as, as we think about this week, we're coming into a precious time. I mean, the pasteles. Ah, pollo asado. The pork, pernil, all the good, the turkey, arroz con gandules, and all that other good stuff. And I'm sure you could add to that a lot of good stuff. I don't want to make you any more hungry than you already are. I see some of you already going, nom, 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 nom. Let's not forget what's important. Almighty God should be first in your life. All these things should be gravy, should be extra. It should be, well, thank you, Lord, for this privilege. Last year, remember the, hur the hurricane? Last year, were you, um, did you lose a home? Did you have to stay away from your apartment a couple of days, or a week or two? How many of you had to stay away from your apartment a couple of days? Yeah. We, one week we were displaced, my wife and I. I had to stay in the building. So I'm the building manager. I had to make sure everybody was taken care of. We had no heat. We had no uh, hot water. We had no um, light. And it was cold. It was cold. So I remember coming into that building with candles and pretty much a, uh, batteries we needed. Uh, uh, I was able to get myself one of these uh, generators, get enough power to power the pumps in the basement so we won't fill up with, with sewer water. So I used that for emergencies. But I remember being cold. I remember the darkness. You know, in a moment, things could be taken away from me. And a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ and families over in the Rockaways, over in Long Island, yes, over in Jersey, lost 
everything. And to this day, many of them have not recovered. But they have their life. And you, you heard them over and over. We've lost it all. But we have our life. And now we have to rebuild. But we can rebuild. You see my point? So what is really, truly important? Let's, let's reconsider it this week. And let's put God first. And, and also take a time to help somebody else. Take a time to, to encourage somebody else. Because there's a lot of people hurting right now. There's a lot of people need a word of encouragement. And God looks on earth. He's saying, who can I partner with? Who will be the man, who will be the woman that will stand in the gap for that family, for that community, for that city? Is it you? I believe it is.